Well, good morning, Canyon Hills. It's so great to see each and every one of you here this morning. My name is Matt, and I get to be one of the pastors here, and we're just delighted you're here in person with us and joining us online for our live stream services as well. You know, before we get started with our message this morning, I'm going to grab my podium real quick. Before we get started with our message this morning, I have a confession to make, and the confession is this. Over the course of this last year, I have struggled between having faith and having doubt. And I know that's probably something you don't want to hear your pastor tell you. (laughs) We're supposed to be the strong ones, the ones who have life all figured out, have it all together, the ones that you come running to when you need help in the midst of your doubt or finding scripture verses or finding words of encouragement when it seems like fear is setting in. But the truth is, I have found myself over this past year in this constant toss-up between having fear and doubt on the one hand and faith and confidence in the other. And as I've started to explore this and really look at this in my life, what I have come to realize is that having doubt, it's a normal part of the human experience. Doubts are a natural part of our lives as human beings. It's normal for us to doubt things that we don't know or we have any sort of uncertainty about. But what I've also found is that in the midst of COVID, there has been this spotlight that has been shown on all the places in my life where I should have had faith, but instead I had doubt. Now, it doesn't mean that COVID brought them about. It doesn't mean that they are brand new. No, most of them have always been in my life. They've always been somewhere existing inside of me. They just became enhanced or spotlighted through this COVID pandemic. For example, I have a deep-seated doubt and a fear that the world my son Oliver will get to grow up into will look anything like the world I got to experience as a child. Being able to play in the streets with friends freely until dark. Being able to go to social events and concerts and movies and outlets or malls and hanging out at social gatherings with random people. (laughs) being able to go to Costco and freely eat of free samples as much as I want, right? This is a real legitimate fear of my life. Like I know that my son Oliver, he may never get to experience that. And it fills me with doubt. It fills me with a little bit of fear. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've got doubt in your own life. Maybe it's doubt that this pandemic is ever gonna get better. Maybe you've got doubts that if one mask didn't work, what's to make us think that two masks is now going to be any better? Maybe you've got doubts that there's any law or bill or act of Congress or something that they can pass or push through that is going to end the division that we're facing in our nation. And maybe you're in the middle of that division. Maybe you are personally affected by it because of your gender, because of your race, because of who your political alliance is with, who your religious affiliation is with. And as you see the horrors of the world unfolding before your eyes, it fills you with fear. What is tomorrow going to look like? Fills you with doubt. Is this ever going to get better? And then you start to doubt yourself. Am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I healthy enough? Am I a good enough spouse? Am I a good enough person? Am I a good enough parent? Am I a good enough child? Am I good enough not to slip up and say something to the wrong person at the wrong time? because that's the world that we live in right now. We have to be so careful with what we say. We're always on edge about what's about to come out of our mouths. And it makes us doubt. Should I say this? Should I not say this? How will they react? Or maybe it's a little bit more deeper for some of us. Maybe we're really doubting 
that God's gonna fix this mess that we're currently in. It's been too long. We're in way too deep. Our friends, our family members, they're dying in front of us. And we haven't seen God move. We've prayed, we've cried, but it seems like it just falls on deaf ears. What's to make us think he's gonna come now and change it or do anything different in this moment? And maybe you have friends who tell you, well, you know what? It's the reason why you're not hearing from God is because you're not a Christian. And maybe for you, if that's you, you've got doubts being a Christian is gonna fix the situation because when you look at your social circle of friends, the people you know, people who call themselves Christians, they're the ones out rioting and protesting and mobbing and, and speaking terrible things and judging people and writing horrible things online. Why would I ever wanna buy into that? Why would I ever wanna be a Christian if this is what Christians are all about? And somebody says, well, maybe it's about going to church. You say, well, I doubt that's gonna fix it either. Because let's be honest, I'm struggling just to put food on our table. I'm struggling to keep my job, to find a job, to keep myself healthy, to keep my family healthy. I doubt going to church is gonna fix any of these problems for me. You see, we all have doubts. It's a natural part of our life to doubt things that we're uncertain about. And as I started processing this and thinking about this, it made me ask the question to myself, and bear with me for just a second, what if, what if things had to get this bad in order to wake us up? to wake us up not just as a nation, but really to wake us up as Christians as well? What if God's trying to get our attention? What if he is trying to give us a wake-up call on like anything we've ever experienced? It's jarring, it's disconcerting, it's confronting and conflicting upon all of our senses. What if he's trying to get us back to a place where we can understand and we can know that there's no man, there's no woman, no lawyer, no politician, no doctor, no vaccine, no amount of money that can fix the mess that we're in right now. That only Jesus can. That only God can. But I think we have a hard time coming to terms with that because we're so focused on the here and now. What's happening right now? in front of us. What can I do to fix this situation myself? How many vaccines can I produce? How quickly can I produce them? How fast can I get them out to people? What kind of bills can I pass to break up division? What kind of laws can I enact to penalize people? What kind of money can I push around to help people in this time of need when it may hurt us down the road? We're so focused on fixing the here and now in our own power that I think we're forgetting to look at the eternal that God is calling us to. What if we have become so fixated, so narrow-minded on what's happening right here, right now, we're completely missing out on this eternal kingdom that God has called us to? Because if we can get to a place where we're focused on the eternal, not on this temporal life we're in right now, it allows us to say in confidence in our heart, yeah, right now, this stinks. This is horrible. This is one of the worst times of my life. But it's nothing compared to the glories that await those who remain faithful in Jesus. It's nothing. It doesn't even compare. It allows us to speak like Paul did when in Romans 8, he says, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. See, I want that to be the call of my heart. I want to be able to say that, to have that kind of faith. But how do we get there? How do we have that kind of faith in God? Well, having faith in God is just like having faith in any other person. It requires having a relationship. 
It's all about having a relationship with God. And every relationship requires a commitment that goes beyond this scientific proof and evidence to having some kind of personal experience or a personal encounter. Let me illustrate that for you. I could stand up here and tell you all I want until I'm blue in the face that my wife and I have a great relationship. I love my wife, my wife loves me, and we just are just so happy as our family. I don't know why I rhymed, it just came to me. <laughs> I did it again. Anyway, right? It's just, we love each other. and We've got this great relationship. I could show you pictures of it and you'd sit there and be like, ew. No, you'd be like, hey, that's great. But you would never really understand it or believe it until you got to experience it yourself. Until you were invited into our relationship, you could see how we talk to one another how we interact with one another, how we serve one another, how we do things for one another, how we love upon one another. You would never fully understand the depth and the significance of our relationship unless you were part of it. Now, let me be clear. I'm not inviting you to be a part of our relationship this morning. That would just be super awkward for all of us. But you get the idea. The same thing is true with our relationship with God. It has to go beyond just the words that we read on this page. It has to be about a personal living, breathing experience an encounter with the living and breathing God, something that we can grab a hold of and run to and be able to really know and grasp and figure it out. And I think a lot of that, when we start to figure what that really looks like, it starts with us remembering who God is. It starts with us knowing what we do know about God and running to him in the midst of this and everything that's going on in our lives right now. Because when we're able to remember what we know about God, it gives us a little bit of assurance in our life. And what do we know about God? He's loving, he's just, he's peace, he's merciful, he's forgiving, he's saving, he's victorious, he's all of these things and so much more than our English language could ever put into words. This is who he is. This is who he wants to be for you and for me. This is the relationship that he has invited us to become a part of, but we have to experience it if we're going to believe in it. We can sit here all day and try to be persuaded by other people, but we need to stop listening to the voices of others saying what to believe, how to behave, who to have faith in or what to do and really get to a place where we remember what we know about God, what we've experienced about God in our life. Because if we can get back to that place where we remember God, it gives us confidence that when we're in the middle of faith or we're in the middle of doubt and fear, that we can go running to him because we know he's gonna do it again, that he's gonna help us through it, that he's gonna meet our needs, whatever they may be. It makes me think of a story in Mark chapter nine. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open to Mark nine or if you're watching online, go to your favorite Bible app. That's where we're gonna spend most of our time this morning. But while you're turning there, let me set the stage for you. There's this amazing story where Jesus, James, John, and Peter, they're coming down from a mountain. And as they're coming down from a mountain, they look out and they see this crowd arguing. And as they get closer, the crowd sees Jesus and they come running up to Jesus. And Jesus asks them, what are you arguing about? And a man in the crowd speaks up and he's significant in our story this morning. It's a man who has a son who is very ill, very, very ill and is in desperate need of healing. And so let's pick up with our story here in Mark chapter nine, starting in verse 17. It says, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. 
And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that the many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. What an incredible story. Imagine that in the context of our world right now. There's a man who has a boy who has a bad case of the coronavirus. And he knows that the hospital is where he can find healing. So he takes his boy and he goes to the hospital and he encounters some nurses. And he says, please help my boy. And the nurses try to work and help him with the coronavirus, but they can't do anything. So the man becomes a little more desperate and he goes to the doctors. He says, doctors, please heal my boy. And the doctors look and they try to help him, but they can't remove his coronavirus. Now the man more desperate says, please let me speak to a surgeon, somebody who could come in and just fix my child. And the surgeon comes in and does what he can, but the surgeon can't touch it. And it's at this point, the man begins to plead and beg, please, if you have any compassion, any mercy, if there's anything that you can do, please help my boy. Please bring him healing. See, I think we can relate to this man because it's in the middle of our brokenness that we tend to seek help the most, that we run and we search desperately for help. And that's what this man did. When the apostles couldn't heal his boy, who he desperately wanted to see miraculous healing from, where did he go? He took a step of faith and he went to Jesus. He said, Jesus, if you can, please help my boy. Please help him. And I love Jesus's response. If I can, (laughs) Are, are you kidding? Like, don't you know who I am? Don't you remember anything about me? If I can, all things are possible for those who believe. And then the father says something that I hope for every single one of us in this room or watching online can be the cry of our heart this week. Today, when we leave this place, the father replied and said this, I believe help me overcome my unbelief. I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You know, the word believe in the Greek is this word pastuo, and it means to rely on, to have confidence in, or to trust in. See, this man's faith in Jesus was rooted in a relationship. It wasn't about some scientific knowledge or this real thing that he had learned. It was about a personal encounter he had. And this encounter gave him the strength to be able to go to the apostles in the first place and say, I know I've seen what the apostles have been able to do in your name. And I have faith that they're going to be able to heal my boy. And when the boy couldn't be healed by the apostles, he took a small step of faith and said, if they couldn't do it, maybe Jesus can. And so he went to Jesus and said, Jesus, please, I beg of you, please help my boy if you can. A small step of faith. Didn't have to be big. Didn't have to be grand, didn't have to be something magnificent. A small step of faith is all that was required. That's all that's required of us too. 
in our brokenness. And we know that because there's a story in Luke where the apostles asked Jesus to increase their faith. And Jesus responds by saying, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. A mustard seed is something that's so tiny, so small, it seems so insignificant, so inconsequential. They would never amount to something big, but when we have the faith the size of a mustard seed, God can turn it into something magnificent. God can turn it into something huge in our lives, something big. See, because the big changes that we want in our lives, they don't just happen overnight. The truth is the coronavirus is not gonna go away overnight. This pandemic will not go away overnight. The division in our world will not go away overnight. But we can do our part by making these small changes in our own lives, these small steps of faith these little small movements that God can use to turn into something powerful, something magnificent that allows us to win over the situation. It reminds me of a story a friend told me about Tiger Woods. She was watching this documentary about Tiger Woods and how he was evolving in his golf game. And what he would do as he was kind of up and coming is he would actually watch footage of himself playing. And as he was watch footage of himself, he didn't look and say, man, I doubt that I'm ever gonna be great or I'm a terrible golfer, I'm never gonna do anything good. No, he would look for these little tiny things that he could improve in his swing. And as he was watching footage, he realized one of the first things that was off was his foot placement. And so he would go out to the driving range and he would just practice walking up and standing at the tee. And he would do it over and over and over again, a very slight adjustment to his stance. And he would do it over and over and practice it until he mastered it. And then when he tried to golf, he realized that with how his feet were now planted, his hips moved in the wrong way and it caused lower back pain for him, which was making his swing not as powerful. So he made a small adjustment to how his hips moved when he swinged. And he would practice it over and over and over again. And once he had mastered that, he realized that his elbows were no longer in the right position because of how his hip was moved. So he had to move his arms over. He practiced over and over. And this went on all the way up his body from his posture to his neck, to the tilt of his head, to the breathing pattern he would have. And even though all of these things were little, tiny, small changes that didn't seem like it would do anything at all, it led to him winning five masters. Because he was able to take those small, tiny steps, those small changes in his life, and allow them to be grown into something big. See, folks, what we can learn from that is God's only asking for us to take a small step says, I want you to take a small step forward, make a small change in your life, a small move in the right direction and watch how I'm gonna turn it into something big. How I'm gonna turn it into something magnificent. Because the truth is that God meets us in our brokenness. He's asking for you to take that small step of faith. Yeah, you're hurting, you're in doubt, you're in fear right now, but I wanna meet you there. I'm gonna meet you in your brokenness. I'm gonna meet you in your fear. I'm gonna meet you in your doubt. I'm gonna meet you in your worry. All you've gotta do is take a small step of faith. Take a small move forward and watch what I'm gonna do through it. And this is exactly what this man did in our story this morning. When he saw the apostles couldn't heal his boy, what did he do? He took a small step of faith and he went to Jesus for help. And it's because he knew the situation he was facing was greater than he had power to overcome. It was a very uncertain, a very doubtful, a very frightening situation, but he remembered what he knew about God. He remembered what he had experienced about God and it gave him that motivation. He gave him that encouragement to keep pushing forward, to keep going after God, knowing that God would provide, 
that God would heal, that God would do it again. And so the question we should be asking ourselves is what experience, what thing in our life that we have had, that we have seen, that we have felt from God is relevant to us today? What is it? What can we look at in our lives and say, man, I saw how God provided that miracle. He provided for that need. He answered that prayer. He healed me in this moment. He gave me this blessing. What can we look at and say, man, God, I saw you faithful in this moment. And it gives me the strength and the power, the encouragement, the trust, the reliance to know that you're going to do it again. Because here's the point, folks. This is so amazing for us to think about. Nothing about the boy's situation in our story this morning Nothing about the coronavirus, nothing about this pandemic, nothing about the division we're facing in our world will ever change the nature of who God is. Our God is just as powerful today as he was when he created the universe. Our God is just as wise today as he was when he led the people through the wilderness. Our God hears our prayers as much today as he did when the people cried and plead and begged for Peter to be released from prison. Our God loves us just as much today as he did when he sent his son to die for us on the cross. Our God is the same today as he was yesterday and he will be tomorrow. And we need to look at these personal experiences, these encounters that we've had with God and use them as the fuel to move us through our moments of doubt and our moments of fear. What can we draw on? What can we run to? What can we grab a hold of and rely upon? And if we fail or simply if we don't believe this whole God thing is real, it's okay because God's still there. God still wants to help us. When we think that God doesn't hear us or that God doesn't want to intervene and help us in our lives, we couldn't be further from the truth. It makes me think of the story about doubting Thomas in scripture as he probably should be called unbelieving Thomas, right? Jesus had just risen from the dead and he was appearing to a bunch of people. And unfortunately, Thomas missed out on one of these first encounters. And when he heard the stories that Jesus was alive, that he was risen, that he was in their presence again, Thomas didn't believe. He said, I don't believe in God. In fact, he went on to say this in John, look at this. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, place my hand into his side, I will never believe. That's pretty strong words coming from somebody who was supposedly close to Christ. I will never believe. You know what happened? The next day, Jesus appears to a group of people and who happens to be in the crowd? Thomas. And Jesus sees Thomas and calls him over. doesn't rebuke him, doesn't criticize him, doesn't judge him, doesn't speak hate to him. No, he simply says this, put your finger here, see my hands, put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. He says, Thomas, take a small step of faith. Don't just see me, experience me, feel me, put your hand here, feel my side. Have this relationship with me. You don't need to disbelieve, believe because I'm here. Take that small step of faith. He had to take that first reaction and reach out to meet Jesus. It's so cool when we see that story. And what it tells us is that when we are facing doubts or fears or frustrations or struggles or whatever it may be, we can come running and bring them to Jesus, knowing that he's gonna meet us and not turn us away. That he's gonna meet us in the midst of our brokenness. That's exactly what the man did in our story this morning, right? He went to Jesus and he said, help me overcome my unbelief. This word unbelief in the Greek is the word apostia. And it means simply to be able, to be unable to believe. 
Just as an atheist doubts the existence of God, unbelief completely contradicts everything that this man knew and believed about Jesus Christ. And what's so cool about this story is if you read into it, or if you remember what we just read, when Jesus is interacting with him, he asks this man a simple question. How long has your son been like this? In other words, Jesus is saying, how long are you going to let this go on? How long are you going to allow this to continue? How long are you going to allow that fear, that doubt, that grief, that sorrow control your life? Because anything is possible for those who believe. Anything is possible for those who are willing to take a small step of faith. See, folks, the point is this. If you want to see big changes in your life, if you want to break free from the fear and the doubt and everything that feels like it's weighing you down, it starts with buying into Jesus, by buying into who he is, recalling our past experience with him, grabbing a hold of that relationship and holding it tight and never letting it go in the midst of everything that's going on, that we run to Jesus in those moments. And it starts by taking a small step. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be something grand. All Jesus is asking for is a small step because a small step is enough. He's saying, you are enough. I want to meet you in your brokenness. I want to meet you in your hurting, but you got to be willing to take that first step. And it can be a baby step. It can be a small step, but you got to take it. So what does that step look like for us? How can we really understand this? Well, let me try to break it down. If you're watching this message online, say it's a couple days from now because somebody forwarded this to you, a friend, a family member, a coworker, you're watching online right now and it's intriguing or you feel maybe, hey, there is something behind this. Your next step of faith is simply to log in and watch live next Sunday. Simple, easy to do. Come back next Sunday, watch the service live. See maybe if there's something else that you can draw from it, that you can pull from it. And if you're watching live right now, that means you've taken that first step. Great, we're glad that you're here. But your next step is to come here in person next week, to be a part of the fellowship that's happening in this room next Sunday. And if you're here in this room right now, that's great, you took that step. Your next step is to get plugged into a life group, to become part of the body of Christ, to engage with other believers, to have fellowship and community and grow with one another. And if you're in a life group, that's great. Your next step is to pick up your Bible, blow off the COVID dust and start opening it up and read that one word, that one sentence, that one phrase, that one chapter, that one book, whatever you can, but to get back into scripture. If you're reading scripture, that's great. Your next step is to start praying over it. To start praying and saying, God, just help me understand. Help me with my unbelief. Help me with my doubt. God, I don't know if this is real. I don't know if you're real. Help me if you are there to experience, to feel something in my life. And if you're already praying, that's great. Your next step is to start fasting. Say, God, I believe in you and I wanna see change happen in my life. And so I'm committing my life to you. I'm giving it over to you. And if you're fasting, that's great. Your next step is to invite someone to church so they can have an experience and have their lives changed like you have. And send them this message. Let them watch it and start that process all over. You see how these small little steps, even though they seem so insignificant, can lead to something big, can lead to something magnificent, can lead to something mighty, but you have to be willing to take that first step. You gotta be willing to do it and you've gotta call it out. You've gotta give it a name. You've gotta be specific in what that step is. This man asked that step, he says, please heal my boy. That was his step. My first step was going to you, Jesus. My specific request is that you would heal my son and watch what Jesus would do. 
Watch how Jesus would move in the midst of it. But it starts with you taking that small step. Because here's the simple truth, folks. The world around us right now, it's uncertain. We are living in uncertain times, but our God is not. Our God is certain. He holds the whole world. He holds your whole world in his hands. And when we have a hard time understanding, we have a hard time believing, we have a hard time moving through our doubt and through our fear, Jesus is saying, just take a small step. It doesn't have to be big, something small, a small move in the right direction and watch how I can do something amazing. Watch how I can do something magnificent through it. And when things seem to go from bad to worse, we trust in God. We say, God, I know that you're gonna help me through this. We have the confidence like Job did in Job 13 when he said, though he may slay me, yet I will hope in him. Now, it makes me think of a scene from the movie, The Count of Monte Cristo. There's this moment where Edmund Dantes is falsely imprisoned and he meets this priest in prison. And as he's encountering, as he's engaging with this priest, they're going through some back and forth conversation. The priest looks at him and says, here's your final lesson. Do not commit the crime for which you are currently serving the sentence for. For the Lord says, vengeance is mine. And Edmund Dantes looks at him and says, I don't believe in the Lord, so it doesn't matter to me. To which the priest replies, that's okay, because he believes in you. See, God believes in you. God wants to meet you in your brokenness. God wants to meet you in your hurting. He wants to meet you in your fears. He wants to meet you in your doubts. And even though you may not believe, he believes in you. And all he wants you to do is to take that first step forward to take that first leap of faith. And you know what? If you don't have that faith, maybe that's your prayer this morning. God, give me faith to have faith. (laughs) Like this man, help me with my unbelief. Give me the faith to have faith, to just embark on this whole thing, to take that small step, whatever it may look like. You know, there is one final point to know about our story this morning. Nothing in the story we read promises that Jesus will free us from our doubt and from our fears when we ask him to, the way that we want him to. Yeah, it worked out in this case with this boy, but think about Paul. Paul prayed again and again and again, remove this thorn from my side, but it never happened. You know, I heard this, a great pastor once say a quote that's always stuck with me. He says, sometimes God calms the storms that are raging around us, but sometimes he lets the storm rage so he can calm the child within us. There's a storm raging around us right now this pandemic, the coronavirus, everything that's going on. We're expecting these big things to change overnight. But I think if we really start to look at it, God's calming the child inside of us. He says, I'm gonna start by overcoming your fear, by overcoming your doubt, by overcoming your worry and your struggles. But you gotta be willing to take that first step of faith and to know that I'm not just gonna leave you high and dry to leave you empty-handed. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, can we really trust God? That's the fundamental question for all of us this morning. When it seems like God is not moving around us, when you don't see his evidence and his presence in your life, can you still really trust in God? Because your answer to this question will determine your response to every moment of uncertainty that will continue in our nation, in our world, in our families, in our relationships, everywhere. We need to be willing to take that step of faith, to trust in God, to surrender to God and say, I'm willing to give it a shot, whatever that may look like. And even if I don't believe in this whole God thing, it's okay. I'm just gonna ask, God, if you are there, help me believe that it's true. Help me see that it's there. And for those of us who are Christians, 
God says, I've given you something amazing I want you to grab a hold of. You know what that is? It's the shield of faith, part of our armor of God. See, in Roman times, his shield was this big, magnificent, mighty thing that would cover an entire soldier. And it wasn't just used as a defensive thing. It was also used as offensive. So when enemies would come against them, they could use the shield and repel people back. And when other soldiers came together, they could stack the shields to completely enclose them and protect them. The shield was the first line of defense against the enemy's advances. Our shield of faith is our first line of defense against Satan's advances. Satan is going to try to throw doubt and fear into your life. He's going to try to throw pain into your life. And the moment that we let that shield of faith down, he's going to try to tell you that what he has to offer is better than anything God could provide for you. But when you pick up that shield of faith, when you stand strong, holding it firm and ready, it gives you that confidence. It gives you that trust, that reliance, that even though you may not see God working right now, you know that he fulfills his word, that he fulfills his promises and you can trust him and that he will be there. So the question is, what are you waiting for? As Jesus said, why are you still living this way? Why are you still letting fear and doubt control you and have a grip on your lives? Be set free from it by taking a small step of faith today. I'm gonna call the worship team to join us back up on stage as we close out our service. And we wanna enter into a time of response. And this response, we're gonna sing a song in just a minute. And it's specifically intended for us to be able to take stock of what maybe God is speaking to us this morning. We've been talking a lot about taking small steps of faith, small moves forward in the right direction. This idea of if we remember what we really know about God, it should give us the faith and the encouragement to move forward. But maybe there's some of us in this room or some of us watching online right now who have become so focused on the here and now that we've lost sight of that. We've lost sight of the relationship, the touch that God has given to us. So as we go into the song, we're gonna just sing. We're gonna just proclaim to God and say, God, we know that you're gonna do it again. And whether you choose to sing out loud or you choose to remain quiet, what I really would love to see happen is that somewhere in your heart in this moment as we're singing, you remember all the things that God has done for you that's gotten you to this point right now. All the obstacles he's helped you overcome, all the battles he's fought and won for you, all the victories that you're able to proclaim because of the power of God in your life, to remember those things. And if you're in the midst of doubt or struggle or fear right now, that you would use those experiences to proclaim out loud, hands raised and say, God, I know you're gonna do it again. You're gonna help me through this. I believe in you. I have faith in you. I have confidence in you. And I'm gonna take that small step today. And if you don't believe, if you don't believe in God, then let this be your first move your first small baby step to see what God is doing in the lives, to see the lives changed of the people around you, to know that you don't have to live this way any longer, that you can be set free by all that Jesus and God have done for our lives, the freedom that he has given to us. And that is something you can grab a hold of, but you gotta take that small step. You gotta be willing to grab a hold of it. So I'm gonna pray in just a moment. And after we're done praying, we're gonna sing this song. And I just encourage you to remember what God has done in your life. And then to victoriously proclaim that you wanna see God do it again. You wanna see him move it again. Claim victory over whatever it is in your life that's holding you captive right now. Father, God, we know that you're always there. 
God, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. And even when there's moments in our lives where it seems like we don't see you, that we don't feel you, we don't hear you, God, that you're there. God, that you're moving. God, that you're healing. You're working behind the scenes. God, I pray right now, all of us in this room, including myself, Father, every single person here, that we would just be able to humbly come before you. Father, we are living in times of uncertainty, in times of doubt and fear. Father, that we would declare right here, right now, there is power in your name. There is healing in your name. There is blessings in your name. There is forgiveness in your name. There is wholeness and perfectness in your name, Father. And we want to grab a hold of that. We're tired of living this way. We're tired of living in fear and letting it control everything that we do. We're ready to take that step of faith and surrender to you. Father, to come before you, to fall on our knees, to stand up, to raise our hands, to quietly, introspectively say in our hearts, Father, that we believe in you. Or if we don't, that we can say, Father, help me overcome my unbelief. Show me you're real. Show me you're here. Show me you're working. Help me in this moment. Father, because the cry of our heart is that you would do it again. We don't ask for it, Father, because we know that you can do it again. We love you. Pray this in your name.